911. Both children are hanging in the basement. Bert, can you repeat that? Both children are hanging in the basement. Hanging in the basement. safe to say that we immediately had questions. Any indication from the caller how these children ended up there? Welcome to another episode of A Dark Tale. I'm your host, Joe, and I am all by my lonesome tonight as James is continuing to work tirelessly behind the scenes, although he will be back in our future episodes. Also, I had some assistance from some wonderful voice talent, which you will hear later in the episode. Now, we've said from the beginning that we would change the format from time to time, and well, this episode is simply another attempt at another change. So let us know what you think. You can drop us a line on our website, adarktale.com, or via our Twitter handle, at adarktalepod. We always look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget... Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way. Five stars are always appreciated, but honesty is just as well. Now a little bit about tonight's episode. I'll be honest, this is a tough one to grasp. Not only does this case involve the deaths of two young children, but once again, we are looking at another possible case of familicide, or the murder of one family member by another. I don't want to give away too much too soon, but I'll say what I've been saying from the beginning. That evil could be anywhere. And that has never been more clear than in the story you're about to hear. This is the dark tale of Connor and Brinley Snyder. Around 4.30 p.m. on Monday, September 23, 2019, 911 operators received a report that two children were found unresponsive in the basement of their home in Albany Township, Pennsylvania. The two children, an eight-year-old boy named Connor and his four-year-old sister, 
nicknamed Brinley, were found, quote, unresponsive by their mother, Lisa. Right away, the 911 dispatch is sent out. Five four five five nine zero from the caller. Both children are They're hung in their unknown time at this time. The message is a bit broken, but first responders immediately ask for clarification on what they've just been told. First, can you repeat that? For one, both children are hanging in the basement. And it's confirmed. They've just gotten the call to rush to a home where a mother had apparently found her two children in the basement, hanging side by side from a dog leash. As first responders rush to the scene, they try to get an understanding of what they will be dealing with when they arrive, as well as going as far as asking how something like this could have even happened. Burks, Captain 441. Captain 44, any indication from the caller if the scene is safe or how these children ended up there? She mentioned that the eight-year-old has been bullied and has made threats of doing this, but didn't want to go alone. And sounds like he may be the aggressor of the situation. Approximately 11 minutes later, emergency services arrive at the home along Route 143, finding that state police from the Hamburg station had not yet arrived. In addition to not finding police, they also did not find the 911 caller and mother in front of the home as 911 dispatchers had instructed. ER nurse and volunteer EMT Eric Bubbenmoyer knocked on the door. Lisa opened the door and was asked to step outside. According to the medics, Lisa appeared, quote, very anxious and nervous, but she wasn't crying. And she seemed to even be distracted by the medics who made their way into the house as she seemed to continue a phone call that she was having before they had arrived. Bub and Moyer asked if anyone else was in the house, but was unable to get an answer. He and the other medic entered on the main floor, saw no one, and proceeded down the narrow, wooden basement steps. Coming to the bottom of the staircase, the two medics scanned the right side of the basement and didn't see anything significant. Then Bub and Moyer and his partner looked left. The sight the two medics saw that day was something no one wants to behold. The task is enough to haunt your dreams for the rest of your life. Seeing two young, innocent children hanging side by side from a makeshift noose, which were at opposite ends of a vinyl-coated dog leash. Beneath each child's feet, 
two chairs on their sides in what looked like a double suicide or possibly a murder-suicide. And having to release their still warm bodies from the ceiling to try and do whatever you can do to try to save these siblings. Bubba Moyer's partner was able to release the clasp on one end, freeing the younger, smaller child, four-year-old Brinley. But her brother, eight-year-old Connor, was too heavy for Bubba Moyer to lift on his own. So he and his partner both lowered Connor to the floor and medics immediately began CPR on the kids. Trooper Jeff Hummel of Pennsylvania State Police was the first officer to arrive on the scene. Upon arrival, he noticed what he later described as a chaotic scene with Lisa Snyder, the children's mother, in the front of the home with relatives and several people in the kitchen. He remembered someone telling him, They're all in the basement. I should mention at this point that the children's father did not seem to be involved with the family at all, from any perspective whatsoever. Starting down the narrow slope of the wooden steps, Trooper Hummel had to crouch to make his way into the basement. As he made a left coming off the bottom step, he saw the medics working on Brinley, who was on her back on the floor. Closer to himself was the unconscious Connor. In an article from the Reading Eagle, Trooper Hummel is quoted saying, There really wasn't much I could do other than stay out of the way. Eric had everything under control. I offered to do CPR and chest compressions. Those first responders were exhausted. Connor, the older of the two siblings, dealt with many challenges in his short life, both mentally and physically. One challenge was his weight. Connor was well above average for a boy his height and age. This was a major factor in getting him to an ambulance in the safest and shortest amount of time. Responders decided it would be too difficult to carry Connor up the narrow wooden steps they all each descended carefully. They made the choice to go out the basement's Bilco doors with only a minimal amount of steps into the yard. Trooper Hummel, along with another trooper and the medics, helped get Connor to an awaiting ambulance. Both children were airlifted by medevac to Lehigh Valley Hospital Cedar Crest. Prior to arriving to the hospital, both children were in full cardiac arrest and were resuscitated. They were immediately admitted to the pediatric intensive care unit and placed on full life support. Three days later, on Thursday, September 26th, 2019, at 4.26 and 4.40 p.m., both Brindley and Connor, respectively, were pronounced dead by the Lehigh County Coroner's Office. Death is the final point of any person's life. It's a simple yet heavy fact. When someone's life ends, a hole opens up for anyone who knew that person and can go unfilled. 
Broken hearts are the superficial wounds by which the dead are remembered by the living. What can be even more gut-wrenching is when the person who dies is a young child, or in this case two very young children. And when children die in a community, everyone wants answers immediately. How could this happen? Why? What can we do going forward? And that's perfectly normal because, simply put, parents should never have to be put through the agony of burying their children. I can't imagine what life must be like for the parents around the world that have had to suffer that inconsolable heartache. The first question, and the obvious elephant in the room, how could this happen, is the one I want to focus on, and the one I want to answer. Let's go back a bit to the evening of September 23rd when the children were found. All of this is based on a police affidavit. Members of the Troop L Criminal Investigations Unit of the Pennsylvania State Police spoke to the children's mother, 36-year-old Lisa Rochelle Snyder, on two separate occasions. In those interviews, Lisa indicated that Connor had told her on multiple occasions that he wanted to die. Lisa related that she didn't know a whole lot about her son being bullied, saying, He doesn't say much because he knows I'll call the school. He is overweight. He has a speech delay. He needs the extra help. He's a little slower on grasping things. The kids make fun of him because he is fat. He has lost 25 pounds since school has started because he was starving himself. Lisa states, He tells me he hates school. Every day he tells me that he doesn't want to talk about school. Did not really see any problems until he told me about the kid on the bus. Lisa relayed to investigators that Connor had been having problems since the first grade. He just comes home and he's just angry. Lisa was again asked what happened and she relayed that Connor had tried to kill himself once before, saying, We had a little sit down last week and I told him, Honey, if you ever feel like hurting yourself, please, you know, come to me. He did say to me while we were talking that he would have killed himself already, but said, I'm so scared to go by myself. Lisa indicated that she believed that's why Connor had Brindley with him, so that they could go together. The residence on Route 143 was secured by members of the Pennsylvania State Police Hamburg Patrol Unit. At approximately 8.35 p.m. on September 23rd, a search warrant was issued, and the scene was secured for any physical evidence. As a result of the search, numerous items were seized from the home and taken into custody, including, but not limited to, the vinyl-covered wire-tied dog cable with two pink plastic bindings at each end, labeled Super and 250 Pounds which is the wire tie that both kids were hanging from. 
Additionally, seized in the search was a UMX mobile phone, which was laying on a table in the breezeway of the home. A search of the phone revealed that it was the phone used to place the 911 call. An iPad and a laptop were also seized from inside the residence. Lisa later related that the iPad and the laptop were used by the kids. During the course of their investigations, troopers obtained video footage from the school's bus camera on Connor's school bus. On the video, at approximately 3.50 p.m. on September 23rd, Connor is observed getting off the bus and running up to his house. There were no signs of distress, no signs of anger. Lisa had explained to investigators that when Connor got home, he wanted to play on the iPad, but then changed his mind, as kids often do, wanting to use the laptop. However, he couldn't find the charger, so he came down from his room and asked Brinley if she wanted to go downstairs and build a fort. He loves building forts. That's his thing. They play downstairs all the time. According to Lisa, Connor asked if he could bring the kitchen chairs into the basement, and she relayed to him that he could do so only if he brought them down and brought them up all by himself. When asked if Connor wanted to take anything else downstairs with him, she stated, Yes. He asked if he could use a dog leash I had left on the table. I just bought it today. When troopers asked what Connor did with the leash, she stated, That's what they were hanging from. Lisa indicated that she got the dog leash that day, September 23rd, at the Hamburg Walmart, and that she made the online pickup around 9.30 that morning. She placed the order for the leash online the previous day. Lisa recalled Connor taking the chairs down to the basement one at a time, because they are heavy. She described hearing the plump of the chair on each step, detailing the creak as it was a slow go for Connor. He then apparently came right back up, got himself a drink, brought down the second chair, and returned upstairs for one more drink. As Connor did all this, Lisa said she was leaving out laundry for the kids and then went to let the dog outside and smoke a cigarette. I'm usually out there, I don't know, three, four minutes maybe, but I was throwing the dog toy around, so I'd say I was out there probably ten minutes or so. After coming inside, Lisa said she made her way downstairs into the basement where the kids had been playing to see what they might have wanted for dinner. But, according to her statement, when she came into the basement, she witnessed both of her children hanging side by side from that dog leash. Lisa related to troopers that she tried to lift her 40-pound daughter, Brinley. However, when her anxiety spikes as it did in that moment, she begins to sweat profusely and so she was unable to get the latch off. She then made an attempt to help Connor but could not do so because she said he was over 150 pounds and was too heavy for her to lift. She then went upstairs and placed the 911 call. She didn't wait outside for police 
or medics, and she never returned to her children hanging in the basement. In the days and weeks that went by after Connor and Brindley's death, Pennsylvania State Police investigators would conduct electronic forensic testing on the multiple devices found in the Snyder home. But before police found what was on the electronics, including Lisa's UMX cell phone, they learned that Lisa had gotten a new phone on September 26th, a Samsung Galaxy Note 9. Lisa had provided authorities with that new number upon request. This was also the same day both Connor and Brindley were taken off of life support and pronounced dead. On October 4th, 2019, a search warrant was obtained for the Samsung phone, as well as any other communication devices found at the Snyder home. Upon serving the search warrant, police found an additional five cellular devices at the residence. The Samsung Galaxy was not one of them. Lisa's explanation? She says she lost the phone on the day her children were found dead in the basement. Even though she said earlier that she bought it three days after the incident. Something wasn't adding up. Investigators decided to perform a full psychological autopsy, focusing on Connor. The lens was put on Connor because, according to Lisa, he hung his sister before taking his own life, resulting in a very rare murder-suicide. If Lisa's claim was true, the eight-year-old Connor would be among one of the youngest murderers in modern history. According to the National Institute of Health, a psychological autopsy of a deceased person is as follows. Quote, the method involves collecting all available information on the deceased via structured interviews of family members, relatives and or friends, as well as attending healthcare personnel. In addition, information is collected from available healthcare and psychiatric records forensic testing, and other records. Thus, a psychological autopsy synthesizes the information from multiple informants and records. Aside from Lisa, multiple witnesses were interviewed after Connor and Brinley died including a certified occupational therapist contracted through the Kutztown School District to assist Connor throughout the 2019-2020 school year. Connor received occupational therapy due to below-average visual motor skills, as well as his perceptual vision. Connor didn't have vision problems like being near or farsighted. Perceptual vision is the way the brain processes what the eye sees. Connor also had low eye-hand coordination and a difficulty with dexterity in his thumb and index fingers, particularly in pinching them together. The occupational therapist, who I'll call Casey, not her real name, 
was interviewed on September 27th and November 11th of 2019. During the interview, Casey was shown a replica of the leash used in the children's deaths. She was asked if she believed Connor could have been able to use the clasp on the leash properly. This woman made it clear in a police affidavit that Connor would have had at least some difficulty operating the clasp on the leash due to his poor dexterity. Casey was also shown a crime scene photograph of the dog leash wrapped around the basement beam and asked if she believed if Connor could have completed such a task. In addition to the photos, she was made aware that Connor would have had to have been standing on a chair to do so. Casey related to investigators that it would have been extremely difficult for Connor to do something like this, especially by himself. According to Casey, she told investigators it took Connor twice as long as kids his own age to do things like tying his shoes. Casey offered her own opinion based on what she viewed in the photos. The picture of the leash wrapped around the beam in the basement showed each end hanging at about equal length, and she mentioned when Connor would tie his shoes, one loop would always be much larger than the other. This is because of his trouble finding the center point on the strings. She also noted Connor had been clumsy in moving things around his classroom, such as a small desk chair. It was little things like this that gave Connor trouble and the reason Casey was helping him to begin with. Her opinions were valid. Along with Casey, multiple school officials closely associated with Connor, along with close family members, were interviewed about any bullying or suicidal tendencies. Each interview netted the same results. Everyone involved in the police investigation told a similar story in that Connor had not complained about being bullied to anyone and never expressed any sort of suicidal feelings or tendencies to any school official or family member. In fact, the only claims that Connor had been a victim of bullying and was suicidal as a result had come from Lisa Snyder. One of those interviewed was Connor and Brinley's older brother, whose identity is being protected because of his age. I'm going to refer to him as Billy. That's not his real name. Billy was asked if he knew about Connor's being bullied or any other problems he may have had at school. He said the only time he heard anything about Connor being bullied was from Lisa. Billy told investigators that he asked Connor personally about any problems he may have faced at school and said he never spoke to any bullying. Well, the pain and the grief surrounding the deaths of those two children can be felt far beyond Albany Township. And tonight, many people are wondering why Berks County Children and Youth released two children back into Lisa Snyder's care several years ago. Lisa Snyder's family told Eyewitness News, a CBS affiliate based in Philadelphia, that she suffered from depression. They say in July 2014, two of her sons, removed from her home by Berks County Children and Youth. However, after hiring an attorney, 
the two boys were returned to Snyder about a year later. We called the Berks County Children and Youth Offices in Reading to ask exactly why they returned the kids to Snyder. Our call was not returned. There was one other unnamed witness that spoke with Trooper Jared Clugston. I'll refer to this person as Cheryl, again, not her real name. On September 24th, 2019, Cheryl related to Trooper Clugston that she had received a text message from Lisa on the 16th just eight days before her kids died. She made a claim in the text to Cheryl that Connor is suicidal and that kids are bullying him. Cheryl indicated that she had picked up Connor that day and he seemed perfectly fine. She mentioned that he was sitting and laughing with his friends when she met and picked him up and that Connor never mentioned anything about being picked on or bullied, much less about wanting to hurt himself. Three weeks prior to this incident, Lisa went over to Cheryl's and told her and her mother about how depressed she had been. So depressed, she claimed she couldn't get out of bed. According to Cheryl in a police affidavit, Lisa made claims about not caring for her kids anymore. This was all turning very dark, very quickly. Red flags were everywhere, and even more questions were being asked. But it was about to get even worse. After gathering statements in the initial investigation on the day of the incident, the subsequent death of the two kids, and the investigations that followed, electronic testing results were received on October 28, 2019. A warrant for Lisa's Google and Facebook accounts revealed that she had engaged in a sexually charged and bizarre message exchange. The messages talk about Lisa's dog performing sex acts on her. Around 3 a.m. on September 3rd, Lisa sends a message calling someone daddy and describes how her dog is performing oral sex on her. The message, he keeps moving every time the flash goes off, proves Lisa was trying to take pictures of this happening. At around 11.30 that afternoon, a picture is sent. About 12 hours later, she sends follow-up message saying, he did good up until he started biting my... Yeah. You get the idea. Lisa was certainly a little bit more than depressed. With this evidence alone, you can describe her as disturbed, at the very least, wouldn't you say? Anyway, on September 15th, Lisa messages, Sorry, kid problems. Around 11.30 that same night, Lisa sends a similar message. Major kid problems. Two days later, at approximately 7.20 a.m., Lisa sends a message describing the bullying Connor was supposedly facing, saying, Things are bad. Bullying issues, and he tells me he wants to die. He's eight. 
lost 25 pounds in the first three weeks of school. Breaks my heart. I just want to cry. That night, her message gets sexual again. Oh, Daddy. Just took some good pics for you. On September 18th, around 11 p.m., Lisa sends three photos. Brace yourselves. A picture of herself with a ball gag in her mouth, wearing black lingerie, nipple clamps, and holding her phone in her left hand, taking a selfie. A picture of a hand spreading her vagina, and again, her dog performing oral sex on her. And finally, a picture of a hand laying on top of the dog's penis. Believe me, it's harder saying these things than it is hearing them. Like I said in the beginning, this case was a tough one to grasp, but these are the facts. As hard as they may be, this is the disturbing truth about who Lisa Snyder is. On September 19th, just four days before the incident that would leave two of her children dead, Lisa seemed to be making plans to meet up with whomever she had been late night messaging and sending those pictures to, saying, You'll hopefully see Sunday. But adding, But I just found out my sitter has to work and it's an all day job. So, gonna try option B, which is my mom, so don't get your hopes up. She's a bitch when it comes to babysitting. As if the bestiality evidence wasn't bad enough, the Google records would be the tell-all, truth-defining element to this case. On November 4th, 2019, Lisa Snyder's Google search history yielded the following results. 9.17.19 at 11.21 p.m. Carbon monoxide in a car, how long to die? 9.20.19 at 6.58 p.m. Almost got away with it, and almost got away with it, best episodes. 9.22.19 at 11.19 a.m., one day before the incident, she googled simply, hanging yourself. Around the same time that day, she visited a website that boasts, quote, the web's most comprehensive suicide resource, end quote. Yes, that's what it says on its homepage. And it describes suicide and different methods of suicide in great detail, including hanging that describes a, quote, short drop, simple suspension method, which is coincidentally the same setup that was used in Connor and Brinley's hanging. On the day of the incident at around 11.30 a.m., presumably while the children were at school, Lisa Googled, does a hybrid car produce carbon monoxide while idling? On September 30th, 
Four days after Connor and Brindley were taken off life support and pronounced dead, an autopsy of both kids was performed by Dr. Michael Johnson. Dr. Johnson determined for both Connor and Brindley Snyder that the cause of death was the result of hanging and that the manner of death to be homicide. Homicide for both children. This could only mean one possible suspect. Lisa Rochelle Snyder. Lisa Snyder. Lisa Snyder. Lisa Snyder. In jail tonight, accused of hanging her two children. On December 2nd, 2019, Berks County District Attorney John Adams held a formal press conference making the official announcement. Good afternoon. Um, as you all know, my name is John Adams. I am the District Attorney of Berks County. Um, this morning at approximately 9 a.m., Members of the Pennsylvania State Police arrested Lisa Rochelle Snyder at her home, which is located in Berks County. Based on the evidence collected throughout their investigations, state police brought charges against Lisa Snyder for the murder of her children, among a list of others. She has been charged with the following. Two counts, murder of the first degree. Two counts, murder of the third degree one count endangering the welfare of children, one count endangering the welfare of a child for Connor Snyder, and one of those counts is for Brindley Snyder, one count tampering with evidence, one count sexual intercourse with an animal, and one count cruelty to animals. There it was in black and white. Lisa had allegedly plotted and schemed out a way to murder her two young, defenseless and helpless children. And to add insult to injury, she tried to pass the entire thing off as the victim's idea. It was Connor who was depressed, so much so he was suicidal and willing to murder his younger sister so he didn't have to die alone. I guess in this case we can be thankful for the metadata that unlocked the deepest, darkest secret hidden in the home where Connor and Brindley felt safest. It's possible that this woman, this mother, this monster, sat in the same room as her children played around her and plotted different ways to kill them. This is, without question, one of the hardest cases I've had to talk about. But I wanted to do it because it touches on something that seems more and more common as days go by. I don't know. Maybe it's something I'm just now picking up on that's always been there. And that's filicide. The deliberate act of a parent killing their own children. We've covered other cases like this. Chris Watts, Scott Peterson, though Scott Peterson's child was unborn, he was still charged with a second count of murder. I guess it's one of the details in true crime that really make me question the human mind and what seemingly anyone is capable of doing. The answer to how something like this could have happened is answered, or at least it will be officially in June 2020. Lisa was ordered to stand trial for the murder of Connor and Brindley 
and since the story has developed, it's been announced that prosecutors will seek the death penalty. The big question left now is why. Was Lisa Snyder depressed? That depressed? Or was there something more? Why had child services removed Lisa's sons in the past? Was there something going on in the Snyder home that could have been a possible red flag or warning sign? Professionals were already involved with this family on some level to begin with. Could someone have spoken up and started a conversation that may have saved the lives of Connor and Brindley? That's going to do it for this episode of A Dark Tale. We hope you enjoyed it. I know it was different this time around, and I hope it was something you will recommend to your family, friends, and anyone who loves true crime. We're constantly working on new material and developing projects we can showcase to everyone, so check out the website, adarktale.com, for all the updates on what we're doing. You can also contact us directly, and don't forget to donate. It's the only way to keep this thing going without ads. You can also listen to our entire episode catalog completely ad-free, for free, on the website, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, the Stitcher app, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, don't forget to hit us up on at a dark tale pod on Twitter, rate, review, and share, and be safe wherever you go because evil could be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs>